0: Hey, this is Ted Nugent. Hi, this is Jay Leno. Hi, everybody, this is David Hobbs. Hi, this is Bob Marshall. Hi, I'm Barry McGuire. Hey, this is Danny the Count Coker. Hey, this is comedian,
1: author, and most importantly, vintage race car driver, Adam Carolla.
0: Hi,
2: this is Shirley cha Downey. Hi, this is Robert
1: Yates. Hey,
2: this is Lou Santiago.
0: I'm John Forrest. Hey, this is Jack Roush. Hello, Florida. I'm Ken Squire. Hi, this is Edsel Ford. Hi, I'm Corky Coker. Hey, this is Dennis Gage. Hi, this is Sam Amolo. Hey, this is Janet Guthrie. Hi, I'm Bruce Cohn. Hi, I'm Bob Lutz. Hi, this is Dave McClellan. Hey, this is Tammy Edelbrock.
1: Hi, this is Norm Gravowski.
0: Hey, I'm Dave Despain.
1: Hey, this is Wayne Carini. This is Bill Warner. Hey, I'm Steve Jointy This is Kevin Bird. This is Arlen S. This is Ed Justice
3: Jr.
0: Hi, I'm Casey Jones. Hi, I'm Paul Kelly. I'm Richard Hutchins. Hi, this is Danny Sullivan. Hi, I'm Bob Bondron. Hey, everybody, it's Tim Strange. This is Daryl Starbert. Hi, this is Ford Heacock. Hi, this is Ed Escondarian here. This is Robin Miller. Hey,
3: Sports fans is Peter Brock here. And you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Hey, mention Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and you might get a free drink. Larry!
4: Larry! Are you crazy? What'd you do that for? Why didn't you tell me this morning I was being canned? I couldn't say anything until it was official! Wait a minute! Wait a minute, guys! Wait! jeez. You did it, didn't you? You f- fired these guys! After all they contribute, Jack. Ah, oh, don't jack me! After the support, Jack. Oh man! After the devotion they gave you, you're fired too. Now, you
2: fired me? I'm
4: I'm fired?
2: You son of a no! I'm <laughs> not fired.
4: Not fired. Technically furloughed. Why don't you give me a break? I'm telling you, there's blood all over my slide rule. None if it's yours, Jinx. Oh,
2: come on, come
4: on. Something's gonna turn up. You guys, you guys are terrific engineers. You're too damn good not to catch on somewhere. Where am I gonna catch on, Jinx? Where are we gonna catch on? Nagasaki? The Roaring Valley? You know, you're not exactly walking out of here empty handed. You got your full severance, huh? You got your profit sharing? Here, guess what? Christ. Full pro rata refund for this month's gas. Great. So I only one
2: more thing I want. What's that? Disability! Oh, no! Larry, oh, no! Larry, oh, no! Larry, Larry, move! Larry. Come on! Larry. Come, on. Larry. Come on! Keep that sense of humor, buddy. Larry.
4: It's critical. Larry. Hey! Jesus. Hold on! Hold on! Larry. According to our records, since you and your associates left, production in your division is off by 23%, and costs are up 19%. Do
2: you have any explanation for that?
4: I'm a little confused here. I'm no longer with the company. Uh, I don't know. You might ask Mr. Latham. We have. and Sorry, Jack. I covered for you guys as long as I could. You covered for us. That's a lie. That's not true. Come on, Jack. Larry and Stan were in here. Now, they already admitted that I covered for them. Now, come on. It's time for you to be a stand-up guy. Larry and Stan would say anything you wanted them to say. They need their jobs. You want me to be a stand-up guy? Okay, I'll be a stand-up guy. I need my job too, but what's going on here is wrong. If I did such a bad job, why did production go down and costs go up after you fired me? Huh? Look, I don't know what this guy told you. I don't know what he does with his books. I'm a car maker. I make cars. I'm not an accountant. But I'll tell you something. I take a lot of pride in my work. Dad? On oh, no, a son Son, you're gonna to have to get out of here now. This is a meeting. Just a minute, Alex. Daddy's talking. I know that's not real popular right now, you know, taking pride in your work, but I did. I cared. You fired me for it. If you ever talk to my kid like that again, I'm knocking you out. Excuse me, sir. Yes. It's the bat phone. To the bat balls.
2: To the batmobile.
3: Let's go. <laughs> many batteries to power.
0: This is Edsel Ford with the Ford Motor Company, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Enjoy the show.
3: Gentlemen, welcome. You're tuned in to Nostalgic Canadian Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert, and this is the five-year anniversary show. Hopefully, everybody's tuned in. Run your computers and Google Tantalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studio. If you've missed any of our past shows, this is show number 250, I might add, after five years. 250 shows. You can check out our podcast at our website, CallStreamMotorsports.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, Nostalgic Canadian Cars, and CallStream Motorsports. How you doing tonight, Pete? Doing great. (laughs) You got it it handled, huh? Got everything handled, yeah. (laughs) Your show is very detailed, but I kind of like it. It's kind of a challenge. It makes it interesting. Anyway, in in the show this evening, I have with me my good friend, Dom Forte. Dom and I go way back to the 70s. Yeah. And... And uh, we're both Shelby guys, both Mustang guys, and uh, welcome to the show. Dom, how you doing? Good, very good. Appreciate you having me on the show. Thank sure. you. Why Thanks. don't you tell everybody a little bit about who you are real quick? They know who I am. So tell everybody about Forte's inboard and Auto Connection. Actually, it started out way back when, didn't yeah, it? Yeah,
5: my dad started the business in 1956, and um, he was with the uh, Pontiac Motor Division. And um, he came down here from up north and started the business. And um,
3: Are you from Detroit?
5: No, I'm, I was born here in St. Pete. Okay, but your dad was from... No, my dad, no, he was from Massachusetts, okay, and he worked for Pontiac, okay, and then moved down.
3: So Pontiac in Detroit, Michigan. Well,
5: no, he worked for... Oh, the dealerships. Up there, he worked on just about everything, but he came down here and he went to the Pontiac dealership to work here at Waldron Pontiac at the time. Okay. And um, he developed a heck of a reputation, and um, one of his customers back in the day, on a handshake, loaned him the money and said, start your own business. So he did and um paid the guy back in a year and and now I'm the uh, I continued it from 77 when he retired and my sons are continuing it now. I think they would re- like to get rid of me out there too. You know? <laughs> Except that I have a lot of important information for them on a lot of the old stuff that they work on that they never saw before. So,
3: well, tell us a little bit. Okay, now, so you're actually, so you started out in as a kid in the '60s working with your dad at the shop. Yeah,
5: I was born in the shop. We uh, we actually lived in our shop back then Uh in St. Pete, and um, so I used to. My dad would take stuff apart, and I'd get ball bearings and stuff and use them for. Bombs for my soldiers and stuff and everything, <laughs> so I got got to work with a lot of this, yeah, watching him, and in fact, uh, when he used to pull automatic transmissions out, I used to, my brother and I would grab him by the ankles, he'd have the trannies laying, hydromatics laying on his chest, and we'd grab him by the ankles on the Creeper and pull him out from under the car, and then get the transmission off him, because we didn't have sophisticated transmission jacks back then. No kidding. So so he yeah.
3: basically had to pull it out, put it on his yeah, chest. that's exactly he right. He had to manhandle those things. Yep,
5: yeah, yep. Yeah. Oh wow! And that's the way it was, and uh, so that's what I grew up with. My brother grew up with. Of course, my brother started his own business off off of that shoot. Uh, my brother used to race all the time. He was a street racer, uh-huh. and um, he was always blowing up his power glide. In his 55 Chevy, and my dad would rebuild it. And after the third time, my uh, dad said, you know what? It's time for you to learn how to build transmissions. I'm tired of doing this. <laughs> so my brother actually built a hydromatic for his Chevy back then, and that started him in his business, which is turbo action racing transmissions. He started it up in Jacksonville, and that became a
3: worldwide business. Why did he go to Jacksonville?
5: Um, actually, uh, after he came out of the Air Force um, on the GI Bill, he went to college, and he got a, his degree in uh, mathematics and electronics. Uh-huh. And um, he got hired by Southern Bell, and their headquarters was in Jacksonville.
3: Southern Bell, was that the phone company at the time, back in the day? Okay.
5: And so he went to work for Southern Bell, and then uh, uh, my sister-in-law, Hallie, was from um, Treasure Island out here, local. She was going to the same college that he did in the police administration. They got married and basically... um,
3: Stayed up in Jacksonville.
5: Stayed in Jacksonville. He was racing all the time up there, and he had a reputation for a really clean, immaculate car that was always consistent and running on automatic. And guys were saying, who builds your transmission? He said, well, I build my own transmission. So they said, would you build one for me? So he started building transmissions in his garage. And uh, he came up with an idea for shift kits, which were kits to improve the shifts on your regular street car that anybody could put in. And um, that took off real well and became you know the business that it is. And he hired me in 71. I left my dad's shop, which he wasn't happy about at that time. Um, and I went to work for him, and we... Uh, we got actually in the day we were got all the Chrysler contracts for their racing division and we were building all the torque flights and everything for them. And, um, and then my dad wanted to retire. So I had to make a decision, uh, 48 out of 52 weeks. I was on the road and racing and uh, oh, wow. that Fun was get, stuff. It was getting old though. And, was it, you know, a lot of traveling. And, uh, so I, uh, I came back and took over the business Okay. and he retired out and, um, which was, uh, Real surprise to me because my dad was very strong-willed in that, and he would never let me do or my brother and I do anything we wanted to do on cars. He hated racing.
3: <laughs> oh, really?
5: <laughs> oh, yeah. He didn't see that at all. You leave the car
3: the way it comes from the factory. That's all. Just maintain it. Well, you have a little bit of that in you because you're you try to go by the book. But let me back up just for a second. Okay, so the transmission thing really was something that kind of ran in your family because your dad was kind of a transmission specialist. Yep. So it wasn't. It was just that you guys were kind of exposed to trannies. That you kind of went in the transmission direction a little bit, right? Well, my brother did. Your brother did, right? Yeah.
5: I was, my brother was a drag racer. Okay. I was always a road racer. Okay. I liked handling.
3: Handling, okay. So we
5: kind of went different in that direction. But
3: we both love performance. We both love American cars. And that's okay. know, That's where we where we came from on that. Take us through the uh, the Chrysler thing a little bit. Now, you guys did some interesting development for Chrysler back in the day, right?
5: Well, Chrysler, basically, uh, their automatic transmission, the torque flight, had a... Uh, Basic, A little bit of a shift problem from second to third gear where they would lose about 800 RPM on the shift, roughly. And uh, so they sent out a notice to all the transmission companies. If you could make our transmission shift better, we would potentially give you a a contract to build our transmissions and valve bodies and stuff. So um, I used to take valve bodies home at night to my apartment. Or actually, I was living with my brother for a long time <laughs> while I was up there. But I, at the time, I had the apartment, and uh, I used to study the valve bodies and came up with an idea that we instituted, and it worked. And um, we did uh, – it was kind of fun when we went down to uh, uh, DeSoto because they had a lot of the high-tech NASA engineers that had got laid off were working for Chrysler in the racing, and I felt like about yay big because these guys <laughs> knew a lot more than I did. Uh-huh. And um, But it was it was fun. We had – we got the contracts and we're building their stuff. And so we had a, in the Mopar performance catalogs, you would see Turbo Action. And we were in Carcraft Magazine because of what we had done, you know, with the, with that. And, uh,
3: tell, tell us a story a little bit. You told me a story once about how you guys were doing some experimental stuff with the, with the transmission. And then the Chrysler guys said the transmission wasn't running that fast. And there was something about.
5: Well, the day of the test that I was at, because okay. there were several, but the day of the test that I was at, uh, which they had a, uh, a Dodge charger called the White Whale, and um, we had Carter carburetor there. It's a 69 Dodge charger, about a 68 or something. Okay. Yeah, and uh, uh, Carter carburetors was there with a thermoquad on it. I think it was a 340, if I recall. Um, and they, um, they were there, they were going to test carburetors, they were testing a variety of things. The car had um, couplers measuring bearing. Uh, loads, uh, dry shaft loads, uh, temperatures of the exhaust ports, um, and car- and Carter was playing around with carburetor jetting. So this was meter.
3: totally a mule car that could have had... <clears throat> yeah, a, and it, it for okay. the day, it was state-of-the-art because it had a like a
5: box in the back with a CB antenna that sent the telemetry information back to a Dodge van that the engineers were sitting in that I was standing behind where they're reading all the information on this computer, um, which was really sophisticated. I had never seen nothing like it. And um, so at the time, this fellow, Terry Irwood, was driving the car, and um, it was our turn for the transmission test. So when they put the, about, we put the valve body in the tran- – the car had already made several runs, so it had a baseline to go by. And when they put the valve body in the car, the, um, it went down the track, and uh, the engineer spun around and said, well, it's slower, um, you know, mile an hour, 60 foot, everything was off. And so we were kinda of, I was kinda of disenchanted and everything. But um, we're watching and the Dodge Charger is blasting down the return road, comes right next to the van and says, Disregard that last run, because he had shifted on what they would normally shift because the trannies didn't shift right away. He would they would shift earlier to hit their red line. So he says, Let me shift it on the red line, and he did, and of course it everything was faster. And and so
3: um, now, that, why was it that they didn't shift on the on the red line before? There was something about that, too.
5: Well, uh, a torque flight transmission, and I don't want to get too complicated, but it has a first-gear clutch pack, a second-gear intermediate band, and it has a third-gear clutch pack, and you have an overlap problem, which is going from a... Uh, band release to a clutch coming on Okay. and if you make it shift too early it shifts real hard and takes a nose dive and if you make it shift too late it goes into neutral position spins up and then shifts so you gotta have perfect timing with the spring calibrations the fluid flows and everything to make it shift a nice transition so basically we had found out what the problem was with it. it was a, a lack of volume of fluid to make the two items you know correctly shift um, and we corrected that problem. And, of course, that cut the RPM down to, like, 25 RPM loss for a shift versus 800. Yeah. Wow. That's so, huge. Yeah, it was, a, it was a big difference. And um, so we applied that theory to a uh, lots of the transmissions from the Fords to the GMs and everything that what we had come up with. And then I wanted to come up with a unique name for the new uh, valve body and stuff. And um, so my brother had this... Uh, company sit down with me, I can't remember the name of the company now, and uh, we were doing, he was doing drawings and everything, and I wanted to call it the cheetah Val body, because I always liked the cheetah, the car actually, and the cat, because it was the fastest land cat. Okay. So we came out with the cheetah Val body, and I wanted the, I had this picture in my mind, I wanted a ball of, I wanted a cat running with flames coming off his feet, and have the cheetah logo in the bottom, cheetah by turbo action. Okay. So, So that's what we did, and that's
3: so. Oh, it did? It was, that was the actual name? Yeah. Oh, yeah. really? Where would the name Turbo Action come from? Uh,
5: uh, I actually, I couldn't tell you totally uh, other than I would say probably from the General Motors Turbo uh and that. Okay. Um, I don't really know. I never asked my brother on that one. However, he had, my, we're, my brother and, his, and sister-in-law are notorious for picking up stray animals. And they always had dogs that they found in the gutters and the streets and, and rescued them. And we had two little puppies that showed up at the shop, and they called one Turbo and the other one Action. Oh, really? Yeah. So I know the two dogs were named that. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know where he came up with the, uh, the Turbo Action. Actually, when he first came out, the decals all said uh, transmissions, Turbo Action by Forte, or our name. Hmm. Well, everybody would call in asking for a 40 transmission. And he didn't like that, so he took the by 40 off of it and just left it Turbo Action. Oh, okay. So, that was early that was very early on. I've got some of the old decals.
3: Now, but. and to for our list for the purposes of our listeners here a little bit. So, put it in perspective like when Turbo Action came into fruition relative to let's say like B&M or some of the other uh, aftermarket uh, transmission companies that were building, you know, cool training automatic training parts.
5: Well, B&M was a lot earlier than us. Okay. Or I should say my brother cuz I say us. I was there, but I'm not really I wasn't an owner. Right. Um, so they were there a long time before. But, you know, the problem with a lot of companies, they become stagnant. okay, And they, they don't stay up with the trends. And uh, we were new and young. And, and aggressive. My, brother, my brother was very innovative, uh, very talented. And he was a noted for, my brother was noted for precision. If you go to his shop, you could eat off the machinery. You got end mills in there and lathes and everything. Uh, bridge ports, and there is no filings anywhere. You will you will find polished floors, polished benches. Wow. His tools are chrome, perfect. They get everything gets cleaned. He's a stickler for that. So it looks like NASA. Oh, it's 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 kind of like the shops you see sometimes on TV, like the NASCAR shops, uh-huh. and that, and very, very precision. And he was known for that, and known for quality uh, in 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 what he did. So the reputation built very fast on that. And of course, my brother was inducted into the Hall of Fame. Uh, Nas I'm sorry the uh, NHRA Hall of Fame about I think it's been about three years ago now, really roughly that's so, super. So we went to the uh...
3: that's an honor <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs>
5: so Yay! We, And uh, hold the applause, just throw money. <laughs> um,
3: <laughs> now we need change yeah. we need something sounds like change bouncing all over the place. right. Um, <laughs> 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 so uh, uh, anyway,
5: you know, I, I hated to leave. He hated me to leave. But um, you know, um, I came back to take over the family business, and um, and he's still doing that. I'm actually now I'm trying to get him convinced to retire and come down here. He still races. Uh, he's nine years older than me, which makes him seventy two, I believe seventy one or two right now. And um, so now he still has his fifty five Chevy. He too, still right? has his fifty five Chevy. Used to street race down here with a tunnel ram and two fours. It was a. It was a. It's an, and that car is immaculate, as everything he owns, and um, it's got a. Uh, it had a uh, 327 in it with a tunnel ram and two fours, but he kept nothing butchered as far as the. The hood was raised slightly at the back end, about a half inch to an inch, to clear the tunnel ram, mm-hmm. and that's what he used to race. Oh, it's so it's tucked underneath the hood. It's tucked under the hood. Yeah. Did it have the motor sitting down low? No, no. It all cleared. It had yeah. that much room in there. Yep, yep, and uh, and he raced that for quite some years. But he found a uh, '69 Camaro. I don't remember what year, and uh, it was already a race car that he bought. It's a, it's an RS, so it's got all the trick interior, deluxe interior, the wood grain, and he didn't butcher any of it. It's still all original inside with a roll cage, uh, tubbed the rear wheels, of course. Um, it's a I think it's a super stock J automatic. Um, I think it turns around 10 sixes somewhere in that uh-huh. area. Uh, never, not necessarily the fastest car out there but again very consistent. consistent and mainly it was the test mule for doing a lot of stuff and so as well as well as the 55 was and that's another funny deal we would uh, if we came up with a new idea on a transmission we used to go rent cars and uh we'd take the transmissions apart and do our thing to those test or the uh, rental cars hopefully there's none of the rental companies here this. <laughs> and uh we would test out the valve bodies and things that like the front wheel drive chryslers we tested a couple of uh, rental cars.
3: Well, now, don't feel bad, because what happened back in the day when Carroll Shelby used to rent out the Hertz oh. cars, okay, the, half oh, those, yeah. the motors got taken out, yep. all those cars went to the racetrack, or not, all, but a lot of them did. So the stories are true. Oh, yeah, there's and, and uh,
5: it was, uh, I remember, because uh, I'd be playing around my car, and we'd be at a, a national meet, and uh, back in the day, you could get your Hertz shifter rebuilt, you know, for at no cost or whatever you had, and uh, I remember I needed some jets for my carburetor, so I and there was a ditch, and I yelled across to the Holly guy, "Hey, you have any '76 Jets?" And he goes, "Oh yeah." I said, "Okay, well, I get a chance, yeah, no, I'll come around." He's, "No, no, don't worry." And he grabs a handful of them and he just throws them. So now there's like 25 or 30 jets out in the grass. that I got <laughs> to root through to find the, the ones. Jets on. Yeah, but that's the way it was. You know, I mean, I guess the uh, things weren't as, uh, you know.
3: The bean Tough, counters yeah. weren't as, uh, yeah. on yeah. top of everybody. Yeah. But you know what? That that was a better time. It was a simpler time. Um, people took it. There was more camaraderie in racing. It wasn't as commercial. And uh, everybody kind of worked together a little bit. So yep. it was kind of a neat, kind of a neat time, and, I mean, when you think about that.
5: And as I told you earlier, I really didn't know much about drag racing. That was my brother's thing. Uh-huh. I was more into the road racing. So I would be in the booth when we'd be at Gator Nationals or whatever national meet, and... Well, guys would start coming up and asking me about this and asking me about that. Well, if you wanted to know technical stuff and that, I could answer those questions. But if they started talking about the track and the car and what it's going to do here and do there, I'd go, hold on, hold on, hold on. And I'd introduce my sister-in-law, Hallie, because she raced also. Oh, did she? So I would go to Hallie. i say, Hallie, you need to talk to these guys because they got questions I can't answer because I don't do this kind of stuff. And they'd look at me like, what? We're going to talk to a girl? And I go, yeah, because she races. She knows all this stuff. I don't, (laughs) you know. Wow. So, you know, yeah, she used to, I remember um, they had what they call powder puffs, um, which was the girls. And uh, I remember a lot of times she had faster reaction than my brother. And I always attribute it to, I think girls don't really pay attention to the sound of an engine or anything. And so guys are always like, what's that weird? That's a weird sound. I don't want something breaking. And I don't think the girls did. I think they just look at the clock, let it eat. And if it goes, you know. Yeah, look at the light. And so they, you know, and just a much faster reaction. Because um, she used to drive the 55 Chevy
3: also. So she'd have better 60-foot times? She had better reaction out of the hole. I can't okay. tell you
5: about whether she had better 60-foot times. But, I mean, she's, you know, I just remember my brother always saying, you know, Hallie just had a knack for coming out good. You know? uh-huh. and, uh, and back in the day, I recall uh, there was a, a uh, black couple um, called Run What You Brung. They used to tour the country, I think with Mopars. And um, the husband and wife raced, and you would—they would come to a track, and they were challenged any guy or girl to race against them. And oh, really? It, like was a little some,
3: team couple type. Yeah, thing. and that's—they
5: yeah. toured the country. That's what they made their money on and stuff. They would be hired in by tracks, and they—they they were neat, and they had some fast Mopar. I think—I think it was a Dodge Charger, I recall, but I, or uh-huh. a Roadrunner. Um, and um, yeah, back in the day, it was—it was fun. I liked all, all the work in that, but uh, you know, i loved working on the cars to this day still and it's fun watching my son you know learning it and uh, what he works on and getting to see carburetors and stuff and uh, and we still have a ton of you know all the old shop manuals and that and of course I introduced
3: you to some of my collection this week so that's what's laying on the table here well, tell us a little bit about uh, how you got in. Uh, see, you didn't go the Chevy route. You went in the Ford. So how that well, how that come for Well, actually, to I
5: did go the Chevy route because oh, you did? I learned how to drive on my brother's fifty-five, and my dad had a sixty-five Al Camino three twenty-seven, three hundred horse, four-speed, bucket really? seats, console. It was like an SS Al Camino. Yeah. And I and it was a teal, uh, same color. If you've seen my sixty-five Mustang, same color as that actually. And that's what I uh, when I went from the fifty-five, I was driving my dad's Al Camino. And, uh, and I loved it. I mean, and I was, and I actually was drag racing to a certain extent on the street with this car, Okay, you know, and, um, my dad, um, the next thing I know is uh, an old couple, uh, uh, the husband had passed away, and she had, they had a 61 Falcon, and, um, and he paid 75 bucks. They had a 170 cubic inch, 600, Six. three on the tree, three <laughs> on the steering column, which we call three on the tree.
3: Oh, on the root. On the root. Yeah, uh, yeah. On the root.
5: <laughs> and it was a four-door <laughs> deluxe. It had the extra chrome, you know? <laughs> okay. And um, so here's this Econo box, old person's car, and my dad comes over and he says, see that car? That's your new ride. You're getting out of my Al Camino. Well, I was extremely upset. Um, because, you know, I like the Al Camino and everything. And, uh, and I'm not only going from a Chevy to a Ford, but I'm going to the lowest grade Ford, a Falcon. <laughs> so I beat the snot out of that car. I mean, just ran a dog out of it. Used to go out to Tierra Verde in the time. Uh, they called them the Goonies because they didn't have any home mansions out there like today, and they had these sand dunes, and I drove it like a Jeep. And uh, my buddy and I, uh, Larry, uh, we'd go out cruising the car all over, but I would beat it and beat it and beat it, and it wouldn't break. And I was getting, uh, you know, 20 miles per gallon with this thing versus the Al Camino, which ate fuel. <laughs> uh, and so I was like, wow. I started getting a new respect for Fords. So after the Falcon, I started noticing the Mustang. And uh, I ended up buying a uh, 64 and a half Mustang convertible, which was black, factory black, with the Rangoon red interior. Oh, a nice combination. 289 two-barrel. And um, so automatic. And uh, of course I put a shift in it because my brother's business and that and uh, that was back before I was actually working for him um, when did and, he start the business he started in the 60s then uh, I think he got married in 68 and I want to say it was shortly after that okay. somewhere around there um, so it would have been because they both moved to Jacksonville and uh, and like I said he started out of his garage and, and started working so I'd say around same time frame okay. somewhere around there no later than 69 and uh so that's that's how I ended up with a Mustang, and uh, and I put a lot of money. I used to go to the junkyard. and I'm, I'm I wasn't the high roller, so I didn't buy new stuff. I go to the junkyard and find options, deluxe interior, you know, things of that nature, and I you can get you get the junkyard stuff for dirt cheap back then, and I'd add options to my car.
3: You know, it's funny because you know when you see a lot of the cars today. Um, well, I'll say in 70s and 80s, that was kind of a common thing, you know, because a lot of those options were on wreck cars. And if you wanted to spruce up your car, so hence, here we go, 30, 40 years fast forward, somebody finds one of those cars that didn't come with that stuff yep. from the factory originally, but it's got all this stuff on it. And it's kind of neat because it's genuine stuff that was pulled off wrecked cars, you know, yep. used in the cars. And it's yep. kind of neat. And you leave it alone because it's period correct stuff. Right. And um, that's why
5: I, in later years, I became really good at knowing all the stuff about the, the cars when I'd be a judge, a judge at the shows and everything, uh, because of the years of taking stuff apart, just like you with getting uh-huh. parts cars. You learn how the things come apart, what they look like, and all, because it's all original stuff mm-hmm. when you're at the junkyard. And, uh, and it was kind of neat to see how the cars were wrecked, you know. Yeah. <laughs> also, I was like, wow, you know, what a, you know, how that happened. That looks um, like it hurt. <laughs> <laughs> well, some of them, you looked at them like, why are they here? You know? Well, like, yeah. I mean, I, I remember uh, stripping a couple of 67 Shelbys that were just sitting there that were, you know, they were not that bad shape, you know? That's and hard to believe. In hindsight, you know, if I was smart, I would have bought the carcasses. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I wasn't that smart, you know? Um but uh, that's how I added all that stuff. Well, I had, I had all this money in my car. I had it painted and, and that, and uh, I saw this '69 Mach 1 at Burt Smith Olds here locally when they were Oldsmobile, and um, it was sitting there. And I went in and checked, and I said, "What can I, you know, what kind of trade?" And, and it was like twenty four hundred dollars they were asking for this Mach three fifty one four speed, four barrel, stripped, drum brakes, no frills Mach 1. But I really liked it. And It was mainly because my buddy. Well, let me go back a minute here. A little tangent here. I was going to junior college, and my friend had a '57 Chevy. We called it the uh, spot metal because it had very little metal. It was a lot of rust. And spot he metal. and uh, it had a uh, 283 in it uh, with a manual three-speed. And I had my '65 289. And we used to race. You know, many, you know, you'd have a class for two hours, and then you had several hours off for your next class at junior college. So we'd go for rides cruising together. And a lot of times we'd race after class going home and I was always beating him. Well, he uh, ended up, he said, well, you wait, I'm going to do all this work to my car and everything. And, you know, when I get back, you know, so he worked on it a month or so, rebuilding, doing this and that. In the meantime, I might add a few things to mine and um, he comes back and we race again. And of course he lost again. So uh, the next thing I know, I get a phone call that night, and he says, Hey, what are you doing tonight? I said, I don't know why. He says, I want to go out and buy a Mustang. Will you go with me? So I went with him, and he bought it. He ended up buying a 69 Fastback with a 302 three-speed stick, and I really started liking the car. It was just a neat car. And that's when I was looking at 69s, which I fell in love with, and, and I bought the 69 Mach 1. But my dad threw a fit because I had spent all this money on my other car, and he goes, why? Are you, you know, what do you need another car for and everything? And my mother had to co-sign for me because he didn't want nothing to do with it. And she co-signed. I got a loan, and I bought the car. And, of course, to this day, I still have the same car.
3: That's a good thing.
5: Yeah, I used to stick that back in my dad's face saying, hey, guess what? I still got the same car you didn't want me to buy.
3: Was that uh, – now, did you have that car in high school? Or was it just out of high school?
5: No, I, I had the 61 Falcon in high school. Um, I started with the Al Camino in high school, but – I had the Falcon, and I used to park it on the side street. I wouldn't drive it to school because <laughs> I didn't want anybody seeing me in a Falcon. Um, so that's why actually in high school I had the uh, I had the uh, Falcon. Did so, you? But now, uh,
3: let's go. Uh, do we have that song cued up? Do we have Mustang Sally? Since we're talking about Mustangs, I think it's only appropriate that we uh, play a fitting song since this is our five-year anniversary if you're tuned in you're tuning into nostalgia creating cars i've got my good friend don forte here with us from forte's inboard and auto connection down in St. pete we're talking about mustangs we're talking about shelby's and we're going to play a little mustang sally don't touch that dial we'll be right back In downtown Largo, 727 501 9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you.
1: Have you ever listened to a talk radio show and said, I could do that? Well, you're right, you can, right here on the Tan Talk Radio Network. Your Tan Talk program will include a professional engineer to handle every technical aspect of your program, professional talk and recording studios. Four telephone lines to take live call-ins and conduct live interviews. Even the ability to do live remote broadcasts. Not only will your program be aired locally in Tampa Bay, you'll be streamed live worldwide across the Internet in audio and video. When you sign off, you'll receive an audio CD or MP3 copy of your program, which can be duplicated and distributed. In addition, you can archive and podcast this copy of your program on the Internet for download and playback. Ready to explore the exciting world of talk radio? Here's the next step. Hey,
0: Tampa Bay, listen up. You can have a one-hour program on the Tan Talk radio network for less than the cost of one 60-second announcement on many local radio stations. We will put your program on two stations in Tampa Bay, AM 1340 and AM 1350. The cost? Less than a 60-second announcement on many Tampa Bay stations. Get the facts by calling Lola Jean, the broadcast queen, at 727-510-7622. That's 727 area code 510-7622. Call 510-7622 now and reserve your TAN Talk Network program.
3: Hey, mention nostalgic radio and cars, and you might get a free drink. You probably just killed
0: Shelby, I have to test the. Uh... Thousand horsepower Mustang all day uh, Wednesday. I'll talk to you in the meantime. Just take care.
3: Yeah, that That's from cool. the man himself. Yeah, that was cool. He was on the show about how uh, about four years ago? It's hard to believe. Been four years since he passed away. Anyway, all right. So let's talk about uh, some of the stuff we're let's, since we're talking about Mustangs and Shelby's and stuff like that. What are some of the what's some of the strangest cars or weirdest, most interesting cars that you've worked well, on?
5: Well, let's first say I'm actually pro-American. That's and good. I, li- I like all American muscle cars. I just okay. happen to have a reputation for the Mustangs. Okay. But the funny part is, over the years, I have primarily worked a lot of Corvettes. Really. Um, and Mopars. Um, but, uh, unusual cars over the years, uh, I had a lady, um, well, I had a, a a mailman that had a 1956 Cadillac two, four barrel factory car, two door hardtop, which, uh, and it was, and that that was the way it was. And you have to bear in mind at the time, um, in 57, when they were all racing each other's Corvettes and, and T-Birds and stuff like that. Uh, the government came in and said, we want all this racing stopped by the manufacturers because kids are getting killed and it's bad influence. So everybody was supposed to abide by these rules, and uh, Ford did strictly, but GM continued on what they called police packages. So you would have Pontiacs with Tri-Powers and Cadillacs with two-fours, and you know all the various different divisions had these police package engines. So, so that's how
3: they camouflaged a little yeah, bit?
5: Yeah, and so it's kind of backdoor... Okay. for the racers, and that's what they did, and that's when Ford started in the 60s with the total performance years that they came out with. Was They were tired of not, you know, they were abiding by the rules. You know, they had their plain Jane stuff and everything, and so they got back into the racing. And, uh, of course, the government, I guess, looked the other way because, you know, it was always the theory was race on Sunday, sell on Monday. So that was one of the unusual cars, that Cadillac. It just, I just always look at it like, why would a Cadillac have two four-barrels? Then I had a lady that had a canary yellow 64 Electra 225 V8 with two four-barrel Rochester's on it and I'm going again here's this four-door Electra with two fours thought that was strange and then um, I had a lady that drove me crazy
3: yeah I think we got a commercial there in the background
5: yep that's 1969 oh yeah
3: only Mustang makes it happen that's that commercial (laughs) Pete has a Mustang too by the way don't you Pete 2009 45th anniversary. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, bu- well, my sons
5: uh, both have Fox bodies. Chris has the old vintage uh, first generation Bronco. They kind of grew up with the cars and the Corvettes. Uh, when Chris was little uh, and he was in his car seat in my Corvette, um, uh, we were in the garage and getting ready to go for a ride. I was going to take him for a ride in the Corvette, and uh, I'm whispering in his ear, and he, he would i would do this all the time and then he would say it to his mom and so she said where are we go- where were we going so i whisper in his ear and he goes we're going to cruise chicks okay and so uh uh chris turns to me after he says that he says what's a chick <laughs> <laughs> so, so but uh this so.
3: another mustang commercial
5: well, that's the same one same one, same oh, one yeah. yeah the, the same, same one yeah,
3: yeah. oh wow yeah, it's attention. a long commercial. pay attention yeah. <laughs>
5: Uh, I have I actually, I have all these commercials on video. You can actually watch them because I've collected all that over the years. Um, Plus, you've got a ton of uh, brochures. i got brochures. I've got car, the, the road test, and they're all categorized in notebooks with the years. Like this is 62, 3 and 4. Um, and you saw. A lot of the stuff, plus the promo cars, plus the models. Uh, I'm sure it drove my wife nuts. Before the kids were born, we used to go to the junkyard all the time. I'd, I'd drag her out to the junkyard and with your me. wife, you oh, drag her yeah, yeah. to the yeah. junkyard, really? Yeah, I and mean, we'd go out there and go through through the cars and stuff. And uh, so she became as much of a car nut as me. And um, so, uh, yeah, that's what we did. And, and
3: uh, it's in your blood. Hell yeah,
5: yeah, and it's in the kids' blood now. Um, they actually, they started out in water skiing, but still grew up with the cars, and uh, they still ski and and do the cars. Um, and of course, Chris has his new son, Dylan, that was just born, April fourteenth. Congratulations, you're a grandpa now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so I don't know. Uh, if Did he come
3: if, out with a steering wheel in his hand? N- n-
5: well, uh, actually, they came to the shop with a uh, before he was born. With a little uh, baby outfit that had the 40s logo on it and everything, and brought that and laid it out, and that was there to introduce us that that his wife was pregnant. Oh, okay. So, uh, but uh, when our kids were born, actually, we uh, had the uh, the uh, the cards that uh, when they were born, uh-huh. and we did it as car deals. In other words, like it's a new model, and uh, it had the the specifications, and which was their weight and uh and the fuel usage was mother's milk and the whole thing was a, and it had a picture of a car on it we did b- both kids were that way tony and chris and uh i thought that was kind of neat um and actually tony um, uh, when chris was was when we were when uh chris was born we had to come up with a name and i was wanting to call him uh, carol shelby 40 and my wife didn't want that at all because uh, i wanted to have a car name in there and um so she said no, and so he got, you know, the typical name, Christopher Anthony Forty. Uh, so when Tony came along, we, we didn't have a name picked out yet, and I said, well, how about Tony Adrian Forty? And she goes, oh, that sounds nice. She was surprised that I didn't suggest a car name, and she went with it, and we got everything done, and, and I said, good. I finally got a car name in there. She goes, what are you talking about? Well, T.A., Trans Am. Trans. The first, first two initials. <laughs>
3: so, so Chris's middle name's Anthony? Yep. And Anthony's first name's Anthony.
5: Tony. Tony's, well, really? he's. yeah, he's, yeah, actually, he's, he's Tony, Chris okay. and Tony. So. Tony, okay, yeah. so
3: that's the, we're the T-A, Tony just, Anthony. Just like my Tony dad, Adrian.
5: my dad and I, my dad was Dominic J. Forty, Yeah. Uh, but my mother said nobody ever called him Dominic, they called him Dom, and so the nuns gave my mom a hard time about my name, because I'm Chris and Dom, not Dominic.
3: Oh, really? Yeah. So, so. you're Chris? Is no, I fir- said I'm, I'm christened. Oh, you're christened Dom. My name is Dom, not Dom. Dominic. Oh, really? Yeah, a lot
5: of people say, well, that's short for Dominic, right? No, my name is Dom.
3: It's Dom. Yeah. What's your middle name?
5: Oh, William, William, after my grandfather. Okay. Right but it, it, my name's easy to remember because I always tell everybody when they ask, is it because they, they always think Don, D O N, and I go, Dom. No, it's Dirty Old Man. That's easy to remember. <laughs> and everybody remembers me because of that. <laughs> So, okay, I like that. So, that's,
3: <laughs> that's what I always tell them. Uh, but, uh. all right, let's talk about some of the other cool cars you worked on. So, those are the interesting cars. What are some of the wildest cars you worked on? Uh, Fastest cars.
5: Well, a lot of the fast cars were actually not really performance cars. That's the kind of funny part. I mean, I had a customer that came in with a Torino that had a 429 uh, four barrel in it, you know, in a, in a 1970. I want to say it was seventy three Torino with a four twenty nine. Then I had a seventy Falcon that used to come in, which that was the not the the old small body Falcon, but it was the new body the and the Torino body. The Torino body, and it had a four twenty nine in it. Really? W- was,
3: yeah,
5: in, it, a, in a Falcon, uh, and, and it was a strip car with moon caps. Uh, I had a lady that had a Bondeville with a four twenty eight. Dual well, that's exhaust. You know, a, yeah, Pontiac 428 with four-barrel and dual exhaust. And I always I asked her, I says, you know, who talked you into buying this? And she said, well, the salesman I told him we wanted to do a lot of traveling across the country. And he said, well, you should, you should have this engine. This would be perfect for, for traveling. So that's how she got it. And he, we just look at it like, why? You who? Know, the salesman must have been really good. <laughs> that was uh, a
3: two-year only option, too, 68, 69. Yeah, you get the yeah, yeah
5: real rare. Yeah. Uh-huh. And a good-running machine. And uh, so I'd get you'd get a lot of weird ones like that that you just weren't expecting you know because um, it wasn't really per se a performance car. Uh-huh. Um, so I'd say those were some of the, the the neatest and fastest per se considering what it was. Um, but you know obviously you know driving some of the big block Vets and um, and the big block Mustangs, uh, Mopars. You know uh, I, I always liked the 340 Dusters in that. I mean they were stout running little little pieces with the 340 in them. I mean, they were no slouch. Do
3: you kind of favor small blocks or big
5: blocks? Well, at the time, I favored a small block because the big block had a reputation for being hard to work on, Mm -hmm. no matter whose it was, uh, especially if it had headers. But uh, obviously right now, as well as you know, I have two big block, you know, Shelby Shelby Mustangs. and, And actually, once you get to... What used to working on it's not that bad, mm-hmm. you know. I can do spark plugs on a four twenty eight in about twenty minutes, and everybody's like they look at it like that. You can't do that. I said, yeah, you can once you learn.
3: Twenty minutes, really?
5: Re- yeah, rough. The hard side's the uh, driver driver's side. side with the master cylinder. Right, kind of but it. once you know what to do and what tools to use, I mean, you, I do. You, I do the hard sides first. Okay, do you pull a valve cover off? No, no, no? no. You can do it without pulling the valve cover. It's not that hard.
1: Oh you know. man, I've the two this, middle
3: plugs are. a Bear.
5: No, if you got the special needle nose spark plugs, it's uh, um, needle nose uh, pliers that has the uh, little curves on the end. Yeah. You can grab the boots, and they come right off nicely. Okay. And then with my about a 30 inch extension and a swivel socket, I can come in right right next to the master cylinder and get the plugs. The nice thing about the big block is on the Ford is the two plugs are angled. Right. Uh, two Ford ones are angled this way, and the two back ones are this way. So you can you can get in there. It's not okay. that bad. And and I always my theory's always been I've always taught my mechanics and, and my sons that do the hard side of anything first because you're gonna be the most fresh to do the hard side exactly and going and when you go to the easy side it's like going home yep so but if you do the hard the easy side first you're always you're gonna sit there and you're gonna aggravate yourself you're going like no oh, I know that other side's gonna be a bear I don't want to do that I don't want to do that and so you psych yourself into gonna be misery versus uh-huh. you just go in knowing it's gonna be hard. You get it
3: over with, move on to the easy stuff. Gotcha. And that's always worked, you know, for me anyway. Now, you were, you're, you know, you are talking earlier about your brother in turbo action. You're kind of a four-speed guy. Uh, yeah, um, that's kind of funny. That's, uh, a however, rac- that's kind of more of a ro- in line with road racing, though. Yeah,
5: yeah, except that my automatic cars, I used to manually shift the automatics all the time. In fact, my 65 Mustang that you see in the showroom, I used to autocross that before uh, for a long time. And that's a 289 A-code, 225 horse. It was very competitive. And manually shifting the C4 and uh, going through the gears, upshift, downshift, and everything. With my stick car, uh, the worst things I was eating up, I'd go through timing chains and gears, and I'd go through uh, throwout bearings. Really? All the time, you know, from upshift and downshift. And I would, I would put a timing chain and gears in the car, and at the end of an autocross, it'd be six degrees off, you know, as far as that's much, how much slop in the chain. And I ended up putting a Pete Jackson gear drive system in it, which has been in there for years. Actually, that's what's in there. Yeah, and that's also in that's the, a direct drive. The one you, the KR you rode in, that's got a that's got a gear drive system in that. That doesn't have a time chain and gears. Really? Yep. Interesting. Yeah. And uh,
3: you know, I got we got to go back a few years because it was in the '70s when uh, you <coughs> actually introduced me to autocrossing. And I think the first time we went was back in the good old days when we went out to Lakeland International Raceway, yep. which is what it was called yep. back then. And the Shelby Club would get together. And we would autocross. We would run down the straight, the drag strip. Yep. Come back to return lane. Then you go in the infield and run around the track, and then back down the drag strip. So that was kind of fun. And yep. and and uh, well,
5: that was a real fun track because you had the long straights, right? A couple of them, and then you had the ovals. You know, and I just loved the autocross because it's just fun road
3: racing. Um, How come you never took it any further than that? You always, because of work and everything like that, you just didn't never really, because you you stayed with autocross, you never really got into club racing that much, did you?
5: No, no, I didn't really, like, my brother was into the big time racing and stuff with the drag racing and that, but I never, uh, I was, I had enough fun just doing that, we really going on to it, and also it takes money. It's true, it does. (laughs) You know, and it's like, uh, I really didn't have that much money to invest in that kind of thing. Um, I, I did what I called fifty cent adjustments. <laughs> <Okay>? <laughs> I used to study the ignition systems and carburetion and, and flows characteristics and 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 knew the engines inside and out and found out how you can squeeze a little bit here, squeeze a little bit there. And then just so I called them fifty cent adjustments. My buddies I had a buddy with a, a swinger dart 340, four speed, and uh, he was always doing stuff and I always knew when he was when he had done something new, because he'd call on the phone, and he'd say, hey let's cruise to Clearwater Beach. So I knew okay, there's something up, you know, and we'd go, you know, head up there. It'd be Rick in, in the KR in my car, and and his mo- brothers and their Mopars, and there would be a little bit of a race here or there on the way, and and uh, and he was real bad with his stick. He wasn't a good shifter. Well, I, I shouldn't say he wasn't a good shifter. His transmission used to jam second all the time.
3: Really, manual transmission, lock up all the time. Yeah, he was always having trouble. The linkage linkage and stuff. Okay, and, yeah,
5: and. Um, and uh, but I mean most of the time my I was running the 351 at the time and most time uh, my 351 was, was very consistent not the fastest thing out there but it was you you'd have to be really good to beat it mm-hmm. and um, and that's what you know consistency is still a key thing you know you don't have to be the fastest
3: but if you got something that's always out there and always and you're in the, the right same. and you're in the right class consistency wins Don we got a few minutes left why don't you talk a little bit about Forte's Automotive and some of those things that you specialize in down there.
5: Well, what we specialize in is um, You're located where? You're in Pinellas Park. Yeah, we're in Largo, Florida, actually. Okay. Um, Go ahead and plug your website. We're, you. we're at 1149566th Street Largo, which is just north of the Derry Overpass. And we moved there in 2005. Like I said, we've been in business since 56. And and now my sons are involved, and we do full restorations. But we specialize in the mechanicals of the car, making them most of your restorations look beautiful, but 90% of the time they don't run like they're supposed to. Anything we turn out, it's gonna it's gonna run right. You know, as far as most people don't know how to do carburation, we still have the old fashioned scopes. I, have, I in fact I have an old GM scope sitting there that it's sitting in the corner, which I use periodically. But uh, most of that equipment is from the 1970s, and uh, and it's perfect for the old stuff. Now that to say we don't do the late models because we do a lot of resto mods with injected motors and that. And I have a lot of the electronic stuff for that. Uh, So we, you know, we do a variety of suspension work, you name it, but we make, if the guys want them to handle, we make them handle. If they want them to perform like they're supposed to, economically, run proper, that's what we specialize in.
3: You're a big proponent because you have all the factory manuals from the day, you have all the factory dealer and manufacturers up. Grades, in other yep. words, all the, so you try to keep everything as close to factory specs even from a high performance perspective as well correct
5: yeah mainly because I feel the OEMs had the engineering behind it and that's not to criticize any of the aftermarket items but the OEM stuff we know it was tested uh, and it could and a lot of the OEM stuff actually was from the high performance manufacturers but it was built to their specifications And so I always was a firm believer in find out what the manufacturer uses. And go with that, you know, um, especially like you'll see an article on, say, a Chevrolet 350 L48, 180 horse, if I have enough time for this. Um, and... Uh,
3: keep going, keep going.
5: Yeah. And the uh, uh, these guys will say they changed an intake manifold and in a carburetor and they're advertising 300-some horsepower. And I'm going like, well, you know, the LT1 was 365, 370 horse back in the day. And it's like, you got to have everything it's got from the factory first before you can you know, get to that 370, 365 horse. So, uh, you know, it m- always amazed me that you could say you did this and that, and you're claiming only 10, lo- 10 less horsepower. What's well, like doesn't add up. That's why I always recommended build exactly as best of that, and then you can add from there. But the factory still had the best, you know, the best in my opinion. Okay. Uh,
3: and dependable. Okay, so why don't you go ahead and pl- we got about uh, 30 seconds. Just go ahead and plug Forte's Inboard Auto Connection. Did I yeah. say that right?
5: Yeah, we have the, the inboard part is we sell ski boats. Okay. And uh, my youngest handles all that. Um, we handle the Tiger brand, which is, as far as we're concerned, the finest brand on the water for the sports, and it does everything. And, and it's
3: Forte's Inboard right? And the phone number?
5: Uh, 544-6440 is the office number. Uh, and there's a 1-800 number, but you'd have to see it on the website. I don't even know what it is, to be honest with you. Okay. <laughs> the, the 1-800, sorry about that.
3: That's okay. Dom, I want to thank you very much for taking some time out. Definitely going to come on again sometime. We need to do this game. We'll talk a little bit about the old days. In the meantime, I want to thank all my listeners for tuning in to Nostalgia Kingdom Cars. This is our five-year anniversary. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Be sure to tell your friends to tune in every... Let's see, it's Tuesday, right? 7 p.m. here on the Tant Talk Radio Network, AM 1340. And don't forget to check out our website, GulfstreamBottersports.com. Again, if you missed any of our past shows, go to our website, Nostalgia start and Cars. In the meantime, again, everybody stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. Thank we'll you. Congratulations on your five years. Thank you very much, Dom. You do an excellent job. Thank you. Take care, everybody.
2: to the other side.
0: to the other side. I was out of school, but there's a feller in there will pay you $10 if you sing into his can. Downtown Dade. I'm not here to make a record, you jump cracker. It broadcast me out on the radio. WTAN, Clearwater, Tampa Bay. WDCF, Dade City, Tampa Bay. WZHR, Zephyr Hills, Tampa Bay. Listen.
4: You jump cracker.